Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Feel free to have a seat. Well, my name is Dalton. I am the uh, youth and small groups director here. Um, My wife, Lexi, and I have been a part of Glory Church since, what, a few months before we launched. Um, And we ventured from uh, the cafe that we started out at to uh, the YMCA, um, to online, (laughs) right, Greg, that one was fun, to the Loretto, and now to here. And I was thinking about today, we're going through the book of James, and, and, and last week Greg talked about this, this idea of how often we look in the mirror, and we try to figure out for ourselves, what am I doing wrong? What do I have going on? We examine ourselves and see, God, how can I be better for you? And, and this mindset puts us in a tough position because it's all about us. Instead, we are to look at the law of the Lord and see how good God is and go from there. And today I want to continue on in that same topic, that same that vein, vein of thought. And I want to talk about how it, what it means to live out your faith. Not just to have a faith that knows who God is and, and that he's good, that's great. But what it means to walk it. But first, I think there's a foundation that we need to have, that all of us need to have, and it is that God is faithful. Us sitting in here in this building is the accomplishment of a dream of Greg, of Kate, of many of you, of me. It's a reminder that God is faithful. You know, one of my favorite songs, and Christy's probably going to laugh at this because she calls this my song. But one of my favorite songs, the lyrics, it says, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. And just listen to this, and time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Great is your faithfulness. God, from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. Great is your faithfulness. Today, if we in this room, if we want to take steps to following out what it means to walk in Christ, we must first believe that God is faithful. If you believe that God is faithful today, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. He is faithful. He is faithful. So if we believe that, then there is a calling for us to live out. That because he is so faithful, because he is so good, because he is so holy, why don't we try and be faithful to him? And we're going to venture into James 2 and what that looks like. But first, let's pray and prepare our hearts. Father, once again, we come to you and we thank you for this morning. And God, I pray that that your spirit would be acknowledged in this room. God, I feel like many times we pray that that your spirit would be here, but God, the the, the truth is you are here. God, would you lead us to acknowledge you? Would you help us to hear your voice today, that it would outline the things in us that you seek to change, that you seek to grow, not that simply so we can grow, but that people would come to know who you are. We need you today, God. Speak loudly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're in uh, James 2, if you want to turn there, uh, flash it up on the screen. Um, James 2, chapter 14, we'll continue. It says, 
What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And I want to look at verse 14 because there's a question in here that James asks that I think is triggering to many of us. And it's that question where he says, can that faith save him? I believe that there are people in this room who have come a long way. Because for a long time, you, you tried to work and do all of the good things, and you, you saw God as a normal relationship, right? Whenever we're trying to find a spouse, we're kind of trying to prove to that spouse that we're going to be good for them, that we're going to do enough for them in a relationship or whatever it is. But can I tell you that God is not like that. He does not force you to be anything specific. He doesn't tell you that, that, that you have to work or do anything in order to be close to him. He is good. In order to be seen and chosen, you feel like you need to do good, eno good enough things to be worthy. You ask the question, and then you're going to put up on the screen, am I doing enough to be saved? Am I working out the gospel enough? Am I, am I going to church enough? Am I seeing people well enough that I might be saved? And can I outline this? Can I throw out this lie today? that is written here, because in, in this question, am I doing enough to be saved, can I tell you that you're from the wrong perspective? The reason that you ask that question is fear of what will happen to you if you aren't saved. And it comes from a perspective that says, God, would you cherish me? Would you hold me? Would you make sure that everything with me is okay, that I am saved? And so, so we think about all these things that we can do and if we've been good enough. And he says, no, you are good enough to be saved, but would your work prove the faith that you have? Can we change this question today? Can we change, and he's going to put it up, is my faith changing anything? Because when we have the heart of God, when, when, when God has given us his spirit, our thoughts no longer should be about what can I do for me, but how can I show God's glory to people? What do the people around me need? If we look back at this text, we see James, and he describes this man who approaches this, this other man or woman, I don't remember if it, it specifies, but they, they're lacking clothing, they're lacking food, and they come up and, and they say, man, I'm really spiritual, right? I have God. God is here. Be warmed and filled and go on your way. And God says, no, no, I am a meter of practical need. And when you follow me, you will learn how to meet practical need, whatever that looks like. You can put it up there, Jesse. Living faith recognizes and meets practical need. Would you write that down? Living faith recognizes and meets practical need. I wrote down some different examples of this. I think for some of us, we think that our coworkers want space, that they want a surface level relationship, but really what your coworker needs is a close and an intimate friendship with somebody that loves God. Let me tell you, they might want a surface level relationship, but if you're gonna follow out what God is calling you to do, you're gonna get in there and get close because what they need is Jesus. 
Some of you, your, fam your family, you think that they want family harmony. Maybe even you want family harmony. But what they really need is revival. They need Jesus. Would we act out of what people need and not what, would the, what we think they want? Some of you, especially you guys in this room, and me particularly, you think that your spouse wants happiness. They want for you to have it together. But really, they need vulnerability. They need you to speak what is going on with you, that the name of the Lord would be proclaimed. Some of you, you think Pastor Greg and Kate, you think they want reverence and respect, but they need intentionality and intimacy from you. They need friendship. Are we meeting practical need? We're going to continue on. It says in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Mm. This is really big. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even, even the demons believe, and they shudder, and that should be convicting. But the first thing I see here in verse 18 is that there's a disconnect. And, and I believe that maybe even in this room, for some of us, there's a disconnect between the time that we spend with God in the church. We have our small group that we go to, and we set aside time for God. But then in our day-to-day, -day, we struggle to join those two. These people have rep replied, you have faith and I have works. Let's just separate them so that I can have a good time and I can follow what, what I want to do and I can live out my dreams while also having God. And it's this idea that I can look good to the world, I can look good to people, but in the end I don't have a real relationship with the Father. Are we recognizing God in every aspect of our lives or saving him only for the church parts? To make it practical, Jesse's going to put up some, something on here. Um, this is, uh, so what this is, this is schedule, and this is Lexi's Monday schedule, okay? <laughs> I made this up, so, but I think it's pretty accurate, right? She doesn't know I'm doing this. Does that look okay? We'll get to that. Um, okay, so this is daily, Lexi's daily schedule, and I want to outline at 7 a.m., Lexi wakes up and gets coffee. That's every time. That, that, that is, yeah. Um, 7.30, here we have God time, right? This is spiritual time. This is the time that, that they say, let's keep it separate. Lexi's got her 30-minute God time, and then she's good to go, right? I feel like that's the way we look at it. 8 a.m., she gets ready for work. 8.30, she leaves. 9 o'clock, work starts. 12 o'clock, lunch. 5, leave work. 6, dinner with friends. We'll say it's like Hannah and Olivia and them, okay? 7.45, uh, she comes to my volleyball game, my rec volleyball game, because she's supportive. But uh, 9 o'clock, we watch a little show or something, and 10 o'clock, we go to bed. Uh, that's the schedule. And can we see how when we first look at that, it's very easy to go, oh, like the world would say, oh, yeah, Lexi's a believer. She loves God. She does 7.30 a.m. devotions for 30 minutes. And we fail to see the weaving of God into every part of our lives when we look at it that way. But can I tell you the way Lexi, I use Lexi because she's very convicting to me because where I struggle to bring God into everything, she is very good at it. And many of her friends will say that. Because at 7 a.m., she does wake up with coffee, but like she said, not only does she do that, but she wakes up with joy, yeah. singing to our dog for some reason. <laughs> 
at 7.30, she does her devotions, but not only does she do her devotions, many times she invites me into it and wants to grow our marriage and grow closer together. At 8 a.m., she gets ready, and I don't know how to make that spiritual, but <laughs> it's, not. it's not. I don't know. Uh, 8.30, she leaves, and many times she listens to a sermon or she listens to worship that she would learn more about who God is and that she would prepare for her day and know where she's going and the vision that she has. When work starts, there have been many people who have entered into this church simply because Lexi loves God and likes to talk about it at work. There is evidence of that. Is there evidence in you? At five o'clock, she leaves work, and at six, this isn't just any old dinner. There's gonna be crying. There's gonna be talking about how good Jesus is, and there's gonna be vulnerability. It's true. <laughs> At 7.45, she loves me well and goes and watches silly volleyball games. At 9 o'clock, we have good time together watching a show. <laughs> and then 10 o'clock, we go to bed. That is our schedule. But Lexi is so good at weaving God into every part because really, we don't have to try and weave him. He, he is a part. The question is, do we acknowledge him? Do you acknowledge him? This week, would you think about when you go to work, whenever I'm going and I'm walking dogs to make some extra money, would I think of how do I proclaim Jesus in this? How do I proclaim Jesus in this? And then we want to look at verse 19. It says, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Whew. Even the demons believe and shudder. And so it, it outlines pretty frankly with us that if we are going to be that person that leaves it for, for a good 30 minutes, that God is just a 30 minutes, we're not a ton different than demons. What I see here is that demons have a reaction to who God is. And once again, it made me think of my wife because it made me think of allergic reactions. Uh, some of you may or may not know this, but Lexi is deathly allergic to shellfish. When she was little, she was upstairs in her bedroom asleep. Her parents were downstairs cooking shellfish, obviously. The, the, the fumes went up underneath her bedroom door, and she began to have an allergic reaction. She began to struggle to breathe. And so she goes downstairs, and, and luckily her, her friends are in, or not her friends, her family, <laughs> Her family is in medicine, and they got it taken care of. But let me tell you, it makes my life hard. Okay. It makes my life hard. Now, you know I haven't had shrimp since I married Lexi. This is a hard life. Uh -oh. I love shrimp. How many of you guys love shrimp? Yes. It's even harder for her, I'll say that, because she's never gotten to have it. <laughs> she wants it. But, but the thing I was thinking about was I looked up what an allergic reaction is. And basically what happens in your body is we can say that shellfish is, is good for you, right? It's nutritious. But when it comes in, there's something in Lexi that says or thinks that that shellfish is bad. And so it recognizes that the shellfish is, is bad and the overreaction you see, the struggle to breathe, is a result of it thinking that something that is good is bad. And I thought of us and I thought of the demons as they are confronted 
with a holy and a living God that is all the way good, but they misinterpret it as something that is bad. And they shudder. I wonder how many of us have kept God at an arm's length because we believe or we interpret what God is going to come in and do and transform and change in us is bad. I wonder of us, how many of us have been looking for that job and saying, God, when I can have that job, then I will receive you because it makes sure that you don't take it away. What is our reaction to the spirit of God that wants to come in and change parts of you? And can I tell you the reason he wants to change parts of you is that other people would see Jesus. Would you let him change you today? What is your reaction when you're confronted with a holy and a living God? We're going to continue reading. It says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And I wrote down, Abraham's faith and righteousness was proven by his actions. What if this room was full of believers that our actions were proven? They proved our faith. This is the same Abraham, and I want to tell the story of it because it's so beautiful. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, have a dream. Would you right now in this room, would you envision your dream and your vision? Abraham and Sarah had the dream that they would have a baby. And they waited for that for a very long time. So much so that they waited and they got impatient. And this wouldn't, hopefully wouldn't happen nowadays. But Sarah looks at Abraham and says, Abraham, just so you can continue your your line, why don't you have a baby with my servant? And so they do. And Hagar has Ishmael, and that's good. But this dream and this vision that Sarah and Abraham have together, it stays. But, but time goes on, and, and it just doesn't seem to be happening and, happening, and eventually they just give up. But then one day steps in God. And God comes in, and he says, Abraham, just wait one year, and you will have it. And there's this funny dialogue, because both Abraham and Sarah, they laugh. Have you ever had a dream that, that you gave up on? They had given up. But because God is faithful, one year later, Isaac is born. And I want you to picture this. Because what happens is Hagar and Ishmael, while loved, are sent away to go do their own thing. The Bible even says that they're good, right? So we sit in a place where Hagar and Ishmael are good. They're taken care of. And we sit in the fulfillment and promise and dream of God. Because picture Abraham, Isaac, they finally have their son, They finally have what they've been hoping for. And if it were a children's storybook, that's the last page. There's like a picture of their family holding hands or hugging or whatever, and it's done. And you close it. But that's not how it goes. In steps God. And he says, Abraham, I know that you dreamed and you hoped and you waited for your son Isaac. But I want to test something. Do you believe that Isaac is mine? Do you believe that my relationship with you, that me, that me, God, is more important than even your relationship with your son? And he says, would you give Isaac back to me? And even in the Bible, it says that Abraham takes up the time to to saddle his donkey 
and he prepares the wood for the fire to, to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. And I can only imagine the things that are going through his head. Because he sees and, and has seen the fulfillment of promise. In fact, there are more promises that, that God has given for Isaac. And he sits and he says, God, I don't understand. How are these promises going to be fulfilled? Why would you give me what I had wanted for so long? And yet now you take it away. But can I tell you, in this we see the completion of Abraham's faith. Because he lifts up the knife to take his son Isaac. And God stops him. And I, can, I, can I just, this is, I guess, conjecture from me. Isaac was never going to be harmed. That's what I think. Because I think there are two options here. Either Abraham, like many of us would do, would do or have been doing, say, God, I'm holding you at arm's length. I want to keep the promises that I have. I want to keep the vision that I have. And God would have said, okay, you're going to miss out on a lot of blessing. You're going to miss out on a lot of blessing. You're going to miss out on a lot of lives that would have been changed if you had just listened to me. But Abraham, he picks option two. And he goes to take his son's life. And God says, no, there's a ram in the thicket. Your faith has been proven by your works. Verse 22, it says, you see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was, what is that word? Completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called, what if we were called this? A friend of God. Are you a friend of God today? You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And I ask this question, and maybe you write this down, maybe you don't. Are you living for the completion of your dreams or the completion of your faith? Are you living for the completion of your dreams or the completion of your faith? Can I tell you that when you step in to the dreams of a, of a holy father, they will become your dreams. They will become your dreams. The things that God has revolutionized in my mind and the way I perceive things is amazing. Because he's changed many of, many of my dreams and given them to him. I want to look at this word justified. Because when I think of justified, I think of, was it worth it? Was it worth it? When the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, finally, I mean, my dad cried <laughs> and held each other. They finally felt that they were justified in the time and the effort that they put in to training for this Super Bowl. They won it. They were justified. I, ha I wonder how many of us in here today don't feel justified. We've put in work to come to church. We've put in work to go to small group. But because we failed to live it out, we don't feel justified. In fact, can I even venture to say it's almost a waste of time if we don't live and work out our faith. Will we meet practical need today? Can we meet practical need? Some of you today, you're like, I don't even know what that looks like. It makes me feel overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm going to do. You're not alone. 
Let me say that it's not just Abraham. It's not just men of faith. It's not just this, this big esteemed person. It's not just a pastor. It's not uh, what position you're in. Can I, can I show you practically right here? I don't care who you are. Living faith is for you. We're going to end this, and it says in verse 25, and in the same way was not also who? Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Rahab lived in a world, in a situation that she had chosen that put her in a tough spot. And many of us, we would say, I'm not qualified. I don't have the ability to live out faith. I'm no Abraham. I don't have a birthright. For some of you, you didn't grow up knowing about who God is. Right now, as you sit here, you're like, I kind of understand God. Would you write this down? Living faith, it's qualified. Not by you, not by me, not by your pastor, not by your church. It's qualified by the spirit of God in you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, you are qualified for living faith. Would you live out your faith today? In a moment, I'm going to pray. And I hope that God in your mind has given you something that you can think of that practically you want to do. Maybe it's with your coworker, Maybe it's with your spouse. But whatever it is, what is God calling you to do today? I'm going to pray. And I want to invite you, if you need prayer, if you need to speak with someone, we're going to have our prayer team that comes up here. And they want to pray for you. They want to encourage you. Would I encourage you? If, if you have something in your mind right now that you want to do, that you want to work out your faith, speak it to someone. Amen. Tell a friend. Get some accountability that I want to start doing this. I want the name of Jesus to be fresh on my lips. Would it be fresh? And band, you can come up and you can pray behind it. But I'm just going to pray. And if you need prayer, would you come up? <laughs> Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that we are qualified by your spirit. I thank you that, that you speak loudly. I thank you that you give the words. You, you, you tell us where to go, how to be, what to do, but you do it because you are faithful and you love us. God, would you outline in our minds right now what it means? What it looks like for us practically. Is it that coworker? Is it that spouse? God, speak loudly right now. Would you eliminate distraction? God, we are commissioned to live out faith. Help us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.